0: Thank you for listening to this message, brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. My right? I have an automatic one, or laptop, or a one anyway, so it shouldn't make any difference. It is good to be here, and your pastor is one of my good friends. Uh, God brought us together a number of years ago, and we've had a lot of good fellowship over the years, and good times, bad times. We've had some of both, and God's been good. We're thankful we're still here and alive and able to serve the Lord. I, the uh, Rise Ministry started in 2014, and when I started the ministry, I wanted, I had been with New Yorkers Family Research Foundation for 14 years. So I had gotten known to people around the state and I selected seven pastors to be on my board of directors, the men that I respected and your pastor was one of them and he continues to serve on our board of directors. We will have our annual meeting in a couple weeks. Tomorrow, Lord willing, we're gonna to go to Long Island unless that—unless his wife gets sick or he gets sick or whatever, or I have a heart attack or whatever. Uh, we're planning to go to Long Island where I'll be speaking at a, a Metropolitan Baptist Independent Baptist Fellowship look forward to that god's been good to us. it's been a good year for my wife and i we're both in good health even though we're a year older barbara and i've been married 53 years we have uh, four children 12 grandchildren one of them is not walking with the lord but all of them have professed to know christ as their savior so we're thankful for that all of our grown kids are active in their local church and john the apostle said i have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth and that is really our story. That's, that's our testimony. There is no greater joy. It uh, has been a, a good year in a lot of ways, but America, of course, is facing a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties. Last year when I was with you, I think I shared the, the crises, cascading crises that President Biden identified in his inaugural address. They've continued to plague our country. Number one on his list was COVID. Covid certainly is still around. You just heard about it with a Pastor's wife or brother. Global warming, number two. The the uh, UN annual meeting on climate crisis met this last week. Uh, one of the leaders said, "The Earth is boiling. We're at the You know, we're in serious trouble. The Earth is boiling." And then the delegates all tried to get home, and they were were stuck in a snowstorm in Munich. <laughs> I think God has a sense of humor on some of those things. God's in control of weather, we're not. God's the one, don't worry about it. The Bible says, you know, he'll take care of it. Anyway, that's driving the agenda both in Albany and in uh, New York. Uh, We're spending billions of dollars to fix a problem that doesn't exist. Uh, One of the solutions, electric cars, more and more people becoming concerned (laughs) that they're not working well. Um, For instance, if you're in cold weather, you can run your car and you run your heater, but you may have problems running both at the same time. That may be an issue for you. Anyway, racism was number three on the president's list. Uh, Growing inequality is number three. Racism was number four. Both of those are still continuing problems. The growing inequality, he was talking about transgender and laws restricting, for instance, prohibiting gender-affirming healthcare. Don't you love the way the world changes? Gender-affirming healthcare. Doesn't affirm healthcare, it doesn't affirm gender. It denies gender. They're trying to change gender, which you can't do. America's standing in the world, certainly that has dropped. And then I added some others. Uh, abortion, we're still killing way too many babies. And if the blood of Abel cried out to God, what about the blood of the babies that have been slain? The border crisis, one day this week, 12,000 people crossed the border illegally. It's now something around six or seven million since President Biden took office. Uh, we can't sustain it. All of our sanctuary cities are crying uncle. Uh, including this mayor of New York City. He's crying and they're filling up his motel near here that's full of illegal immigrants. And then we're we're not only housing them, we're also feeding them. In Rochester, I was told that the contractor that's doing the feeding or providing the food is being paid $100 per day per immigrant. Now, you could eat pretty well for 100 bucks a day. And then um, the national debt is certainly a crisis. Uh, Congress did what they always do, they got to their limit, no more, 33.5 trillion dollars, no more. They get to that limit, then they say, we'll fix the problem, we'll just raise the limit. So it's floating right now and it's gone up 2 trillion dollars since they they did that earlier this spring. So it's an ongoing problem. Then war drums, war drums are beating all over the world. China's making aggressive moves. Uh, Russia, of course, the war in, in Ukraine is still going on. Hamas attacked Israel. There's war. Uh, Iran's been shooting off uh, their surrogates, been shooting off missiles, something like five or six thousand attacks, and uh, around the world, it's it's what's what's going on. Well, I said this morning, the world's dark, and it's getting darker. Why is that? Why is that happening? Alexander Sosnitsin said that. When he was asked why a Christian country could become the Soviet Union, said, men have forgotten God. That's the problem. Men have forgotten God. Well, we do have an answer. The answer is found right here in God's book. Proverbs chapter 1, God says, you wouldn't have anything of my counsel. Therefore, these things are happening unto you. And that is what happens when you ignore God's word. We're gonna look at Matthew chapter seven today, the last couple verses, or a few verses of the Sermon on the Mount. Arise ministry, we started 2014 as I said. Uh, it's primarily a ministry of encouragement, education, edification. We uh, try to encourage believers, try to inform them what's going on in the world. To fulfill that, I, I do that by preaching. I also do it by publishing materials there are something like 30 brochures now uh, the latest one pastor is growing old truth about growing old you might want to pick that up okay, well, yeah <laughs> anyway they uh, they're uh, artificial intelligence it's a new one since i was here last year uh, i hope that you'll pick them up and they are free uh, we live by faith so we don't charge for anything we also publish a newsletter some of you do receive it if you don't you fill sign it out it comes only by email Please write clearly. Daryl Sigafoos is the one that handles that for me. When it comes, it'll come from Daryl's email, but the subject will always have a rise and then the date. So you can tell that it's a PDF. There's a cover letter that I write as well. And so you're welcome to any of those materials. We certainly hope that you'll have those. And then, of course, we partner with pastors around the state to try to help them and encourage them. God's been very good. Well, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is introducing himself in the kingdom of God he has laid out principles for how his kingdom is going to operate and then he gives the application that's what we're going to look at today and it's a familiar passage of scripture therefore verse 24 chapter 7 therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them i will liken him unto a wise man which buildeth his house upon a rock the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock and everyone that heareth my sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be like unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand the rains descended the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell and great was the fall of it now when I read that having been a pastor and having vacationed Bible school for a lot of years I think of the wise men built his house and all that so this is a familiar passage of scripture, but I think there's some things that we need to take note of here. So before we do that, let's pray. Father, use your word now to help us, to encourage us in Jesus' name. There are a couple of things I want you to note that were the same about these two men. Now this is an illustration. Jesus is applying what he said. So now he's saying there are two responses. There are two men. These two men had a similar purpose. They both wanted to build a house. Every man wants to provide for his family. It's a man thing. You want to have a house and men take pride on the outside of the house. Ladies take pride on the inside of the house. I'm very thankful for my wife. We've lived in a lot of different places and wherever we live, Barbara's always been able to make it a home. It's been our home. Uh, For me, not as important, but you know, I, we live in a nice neighborhood and I want my lawn. You know, it's the grass has got to be mowed and the leaves have got to be picked up. And it's kind of a pride thing, maybe. But, you know, that, that's just kind of what life is. You want to take care of, you want to provide for your family. You want your family to be secure and safe. You want them to have a home. Both of these men had the same purpose. Both of these men had the same problems. The rains came, the floods came, the wind beat upon the house. Both houses, both people faced the same problems. I remember when I was first saved, someone told me before I was saved, if I would just get saved, all my problems would be over. That really didn't work out for me. That really is not the way it works. That's, that's not true. Uh, both of these men face the same problems. The unsaved people face just the same problems you do. Uh, they get cancer, they get car accidents, they, have heart attacks, they they have disappointments. Things go wrong in their life, just like they do for us. Uh, So these two men had the same purpose. They had the same problems. I mean, they're raising teenagers, teenagers. You know, Mark Twain said, when a kid turns 13, you should stuff them in a barrel and feed them through the hole. When they're 16, you gotta plug the hole. Isn't it amazing, you know, I, I, when I was 16, how dumb my dad was, and the older I got, the smarter I realized he was, is, and, you know, it's just a matter of perspective, but, you know, we face the same difficulties, same problems, uh, sometimes difficulties in marriage, sometimes difficulties with health, a job, you know, you face some of the same things. Um, these, these, these men had the same, same exact problems. And they had different ends. Now, the different ends are a different product. The wise man had a house that was built upon the rock, and his house stood against the storms of life. Just because you're a Christian does not mean you're immune from the storms of life. Uh, You are going to face difficulties in this world. Uh, John 16, I think it's verse 33. These things have I spoken to you that in me you might have peace in the world, you will have tribulation, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So you and I have a a different perspective on the problems of life. Our trials have a purpose. Uh, There's a brochure in the back table on on the problem of evil. I have had the privilege of debating some atheists in public forum, one was at the University of uh, Albany Law School, Uh, one was at the University of Syracuse, and every atheist I've ever met is angry. They're angry at a God that they don't think exists. Now, I'll let you a secret, the kids are gone, right? I don't believe in Santa Claus, (laughs) but I'm not mad about it. If you didn't believe in God, why are you mad? Why are you angry? Well, they're angry because they see evil in the world and they say if, there's, if God is there and good, God's good, why doesn't he do something about all this evil? They have the wrong perspective. They don't understand that God has a purpose in allowing evil or bad things into our life. There is a purpose. What is that purpose? Well, you and I claim the promise of Romans 8:28. We know all things work together for good to them that love God, that those are called according to his purpose. Why does God allow bad things to happen to us, sometimes to punish us? First of all, we're not all that good. We all need to get a swat on the bottom once in a while. God is our heavenly Father, and God says he will chasten all of his children. Nobody's immune. I'm not immune, you're not immune, your pastor's not immune. We're all gonna get spanked once in a while. Once in a while, God has to get our attention by applying the Board of Education to the seat of knowledge. Once in a while, he puts us flat on our backs, so we look up. We kind of get used to running our own life, and if you're not careful, you start thinking, boy, I can handle this, and then God just reminds you, a little flu bug comes along, and you realize just how humble you need to be. You know, it's real hard to be proud when you're leaning over a toilet throwing up. It's, you know, it's a humbling experience. I was at a pastor's fellowship a few years ago, and before we got there, I sat for supper with Barb, and she didn't get sick, but I about the end of the service, I felt nauseous, and boy, I went out, and boy, was I sick. I, I thought, well, I got rid of that and went back into where they were fellowshipping, sat there a few minutes, had to go again, had to go a third time, and we were invited to a person's home instead of a motel. So this late, a single lady is having us in her home, and I'm carrying a bucket around. I mean, that's a humbling experience. And why does God allow that? Well, it gives us perspective, doesn't it? You and I are dependent upon God for everything. So God once in a while will chasten us. He'll give us a swat on the bottom. Sometimes it's to purify us. There's something evil in our life, something bad. God says, I got to get rid of that. So he applies the furnace of affliction to cause us to reflect and realize what that is. And then he can get rid of it. That's found in Malachi chapter four. Just like a smelter will take silver and heat it up till it melts. And then he skims off the bad. Someone asked the uh, person doing this, "How do you know when it's finished?" He said, "When I can see my reflection on the surface." God wants us to be formed to the image of His Son. He's working to that end. That's why He does it. Sometimes God allows suffering in our life to push us. We get complacent, and God says, "You know, you need to move to a different level. I'm going to, I'm going to push you. I'm going to give you a little shove." That shove sometimes can be painful. Uh, it was uh, 1999, the toughest day of my life. After having served in a church for 13 years, the deacons conspired and they decided they didn't want me. Hardest thing I ever did in my life was walk across the parking lot to tell my wife. They called me back at church 11 o'clock at night, just a couple weeks ago before Christmas, and said, we've decided we'd like to ask for your resignation. We think we can do better. Well, you know, why did that God allow that to happen? Well, he pushed me, pushed me in a ministry that I never would have had. I was in a local church, now I have a statewide ministry. Acts 1.8, the disciples are to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. By Acts 8.1, they're still in Jerusalem. God sends affliction, the church is scattered, God pushed them. Sometimes God allows suffering in our life to prevent us. God sees something down the road. That was Paul's thorn in the flesh lest I be exalted above measure, God sent a thorn in the flesh to buffet me. It kept him humble, kept him, we don't know what his thorn was. Some believe it was a physical ailment, others believe it was something else, some think he he had epilepsy, some think yellow fever or other, some other oriental disease. Whatever it was, it was something he found embarrassing. And God, he asked God to remove it, and God says no, no, why not? lest he be exalted above measure. We get too big ahead. We get too proud of ourselves, too complacent, and we sometimes need to have that perspective of God saying he's gonna prevent us. I think when we get to heaven, we're gonna be surprised how many times those delays that we had in life had a purpose. You know, you were ready and your wife wasn't, and you're impatient, you wanna get on the road, and maybe if she hadn't delayed things, you'd have been in an accident. I've had several times when I you know, was through an area, uh, one of the pastors' fellowships. Seems like, seems like this, there's this fellowship down in New York City. They have me every December. It seems like there's always bad weather. And there's always something. I was leaving from there to go back to Rochester, New York, a few years ago. And I got in the radio, and it was raining like crazy. And just as I passed a road, they said, this road is closed because of flooding. That was the road I was going to get on. And then as I drove along, every so often they mentioned road closed. I just passed that or just passed that area. God pushed me along a little early, I think in this case, not preventing it. But God has a way of taking care of us, doesn't he? Sometimes to prepare us. David fought a lion and a bear before he took on a giant. You don't know what's down the road. God may have a giant in your life that you have to prepare for, and he's going to send you some little battles so you can win the big battle. God prepares us sometimes to promote us. Sometimes, you know, there will be a time in your life where the doctor will say, we're sorry, but there's nothing more we can do. Uh, it might be cancer, it might be some other disease. You know, the time may come, but God allows suffering in our life. Why do people go to the nursing home? I think it helps prepare us to say goodbye to them. I think that's part of God's purpose. Number seven is sometimes, and since I like alliteration, I just call it to puzzle us. We just don't know. That was Job. When I was 13 years old, my dad had an accident on our farm, a cow. The young heifer had just had a calf, and we were getting her into the barn for the first time, and I was behind my dad, and dad had his hand kind of guiding the calf or heifer, and she uh, slipped on it. It was raining, and it was muddy, and there was a board there two by eight, and somehow the cow slipped on the mud and fell over on my dad and crushed his leg. And so for nine months, he was in a cast. For two years after that, he was in a leg brace. We almost lost everything. Dad, I was 13. Dad read the book of Job every day. And my, I was curious, So I, what's he seeing there? I read it too, and I didn't get it. In fact, I read it several times over my life, and it took a long time to figure out what in the world's going on with Job? Why is he doing this? What is this about? Uh, because Job lost everything, remember? And one day, his children died, his animals were killed, everything, in fact, even his wife came to him and said, Job, why don't you curse God and die? And Job's perspective was different. The unsaved would become bitter, wouldn't they? They'd be angry at a God that would allow that. But Job said, the Lord gave, the Lord taketh away, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything you have is a gift from God, everything. You say, well, wait a minute, preacher, I'm a self-made man. There is no such a thing. No, God's the one who made you life. Well, I make a good life, I work hard. Yes, who made you, give you the ability to work? In fact, who gave you the next breath you're going to take? It's all of God. So we have a different perspective, our suffering has a purpose. There are a lot of illustrations of this. One of my favorite is Ron Hamilton. Ron Hamilton was going to have eye surgery, and they told him he'd probably lose his eye. In fact, he did. And he wrote the song, God never moves without purpose or plan when trying his servants or testing a man. Give, Thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems strong, in darkness he giveth a song. Oh, rejoice in the Lord, he makes no mistake. He knoweth the end of the way that I take. For when I am proved, I shall come forth as gold. When I was a teenager, our youth group used to sing a song. One by one, he took them from me all the things I valued most. Till I was empty-handed, every glittering toy was lost. Then I walked life's highway, grieving in my rags and poverty, till I heard his voice inviting, lift your empty hands to me. So I held my hands toward heaven, and he filled them with a store of his own transcended riches, till they could contain no more. Then at last I comprehended with my stupid mind and dull, God cannot pour his riches into hands already full. In my crisis, a friend wrote me this note. He quoted Andrew Murray, who went through his own trial. First, he brought me here. It was by his will that I am in this straight place. In this fact, I will rest. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me the grace to behave as his child. Then he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons he intends for me to learn and working in me the grace he means to bestow. Last and in his good time, he can bring me out again, how and when he knows. Let me say, I am here by God's appointment, in his keeping, under his training, in his time. Then my friend who's now with the Lord, Maynard Belt wrote, God goes deeper than our deepest valley is larger than our largest trial, brings light to our darkest hours, and is always at his best when we are at our lowest. Stay in the word, search and guard your heart, trust in the days ahead as you have in the past. God may be up to something that you would never have thought. Well, there's two kinds of life. The wise man who builds his house upon the rock, The foolish man who builds his house upon the sand, which are you? You may have the same purpose as we do. You may have the same problems. We all have them. But do you have the right perspective? And finally, there's a different product with these two men. One man could say, how does a person who doesn't know Christ... How does a person who doesn't know Christ face cancer, face death, face tragedy? For us, we have a heavenly father who's the God of all comfort, who has a purpose and a plan for everything he allows in our life. We know all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You could trust him. I, I don't know if I finished Job, but. When I talked about Job, Job's issue was, God says to him basically, trust me when you don't understand. Just trust me, just trust me. Trust me. God has a plan, a purpose. You can fight against him. You can become bitter against him. The Bible tells us to beware lest any of us become bitter. A root of bitterness spring up and by it many be defiled. Bitterness destroys everything or you can rejoice in the Lord, you can trust him in the midst of trial. Shall we pray? Father, I pray that you spoke to our hearts today. I pray God that lives have been touched, people have been comforted, but I pray for that person that does not know Christ as savior. I pray that today would be their day when they say yes to him. In Jesus name, amen. I'd like us to stand and sing 357. At times like these, you need a Savior. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC's Connected If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash thegospel.